0: I think, that yeah. That would be then the starting point for all the discussions, Right. the other way around. We can talk about this, but... Yeah. Well, these authors, I take it from the way this particular section is composed and from the general feeling, are committed to the Kuyperian approach that says um, that every part of creation and certainly every discipline should have a um, a possibility to be worked out under the Lordship of Christ. And they, they don't mean by that that you should just be a good Christian, uh, be an honest person, and also a carpenter, a plumber, whatever. They mean by that that there are Christian implications, there is a world view uh, implication of every single profession down to the most technical, specialized thing. Um, And I think that's one of the reasons that they encourage these this grouping together. um, You know, it's because of that particular commitment. Um, And I I believe that. Um, I think that's right. Um, However, your question I think is the is the was put in the correct way. Where do you begin? Um, I think you have a theological consideration. You have a cultural consideration. Um, In a culture where the major um, emphases have not necessarily been uh, placed there, nurtured, developed by Christians, um, you're going to be dealing with um, a context uh, which is very ambiguous when you're working out your Christian principles. Um, and you Christians may be very far behind the game in thinking some of these things through. You mentioned, you know, the epistemological or cognitive studies. Christians are probably way behind in those areas. Uh, at least in looking at the physiological aspects of them and so forth, the organic nature aspects of them. Uh, they may be less behind in other kinds of medical uh, things. But um, it's important, while keeping the Kyperian view, not to be naive and to think that just because you become the Christian Medical Society or the or, uh, Christian Nurses Association or whatever it is you're going to go faster than um, uh, cultural realities will will, will, will allow um, so i would say where to begin is is by working as christians on these things having all kinds of ways to suggest moving ahead But for many at the same time it will not involve banding together with full-blown institutions it'll involve working with already existing institutions, which will have a secular character, and um, simply because our culture is not defined enough as a Christian thing, that you you would want with confidence to to start doing a full blown institution. I mean, and I think the the, the history of people who who start uh, uh, Christian universities and Christian institutions uh, with the appearance of age, full blown, uh, with a lot of money, um, is shows the dangers inherent in this kind of thing. I mean, people can raise millions of dollars and create a Christian university out of whole cloth. And uh, I had a friend um, when I was in, in uh, college, I had a friend who was um, head of the s- psychiatry people at the university health services and he taught at the medical school as well um, at Harvard. And um, a Christian University was created, I won't mention the name because you'd all know it, um, but it was created with a lot of money. And one of the main ambitions of this person who created the university was to have the best medical school in the country. And um, they asked, they invited my friend to be um, chief of the staff or some, some big position in this medical school, just to come and be, be it, you know. And he was really torn. I mean, we talked about this for hours. Um, on the one hand, he just, was, he just loved the idea of being in a Christian environment, being able, and also he was given all this money, he could do almost anything he wanted, you know. On the other hand, he realized that um, he was already in a place that was pretty advanced, and he'd give up that fellowship, that community, those opportunities. He'd give up, you know, that kind of position. And he'd be going with people who may or may not have much understanding of what science is all about, what technology is all about, and so forth. And, um, and uh, you don't just create a Christian research culture overnight. It just can't be done. The nature of culture is to be slow and deliberate. So he finally decided not to do it, although it was an agonizing decision. Um, and. Uh, as far as I know they got the place going without him and did you know they found other people and I I don't know whether it's turned out to be a good place or not I I really don't know but um that that is a um, that is a a, a danger Um, I found their treatment of this problem a little bit vague like on page 115 um, it says uh, Well, things like this issue is complicated when one has trouble understanding the alternative positions without stereotyping them, and when one feels a professional and Christian loyalty to help within limits others be loyal to their own convictions. While maintaining one's own integrity, one must nurture the integrity of others and not use their vulnerability to influence them unduly. Still. One of the most important ways Christian medical professionals can serve God's cause is by striving, as individuals, to integrate their professional identities and services with their Christian callings. Great. Who could argue with that? What does it mean? You know, what do you do? Um, uh, I, I, I think you got to go beyond that to, to say, well, wh- you know, where do I go to medical school? What do I specialize in? Where's the most useful place of my service? In order to bring this thing forward, um, all right, but this, this notion of calling is then a very, very crucial one. And as I said at the beginning, I, I believe it's one of the two or three hottest issues should be on the Christian agenda, and um, we could go a long way to, to, to answering just the question that Don raised by dealing with, with, with calling a little more. Yeah. I have just one more time. Yeah, I think I think that's right. I think we have to be very critical um, at the same time, and and uncover some of the root problems uh, because it's part of our mission to uh, to save the oppressed from victimization. Yet at the same time, I think it's important uh, to work positively in a calling, and and. Work out how this should be done um, from a Christian perspective, so that we're not only in the position of denouncing, but also of proclaiming, and uh, that's often the harder thing to do. I mean, both are hard, but um, it's even harder to say, okay, this, what you're doing here is manipulative and unethical. What would you suggest uh, in its place, and how would you work? And you know, this, this, this is. Uh, I think I think that's a part of our um, our comportment that that needs to be that needs to be stressed um okay I, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on what they call the character of relationships in medicine they they opt for the covenant character as opposed to contract and, and so forth I think these are all things that Christians need to be aware of and need to need to think of um but um Things that I think most of us are pretty well uh, agreed upon. I would like to go on to the section on technology, tragedy, and so forth. And then, if we have any more time, a little bit more about costs. We've done some on cost, but um, we, we could do a little more. But I, I really want to go on to uh, this whole question of technology. Um, now, uh, let me. Let me first say that technology, of course, is not a medical problem. It's a global cultural problem. Technology has a particular um, uh, impact on the medical profession, obviously, but this is a, a global problem. And um, let me s- say, as I did for calling, that the consideration of, of technique, to use Elul's distinctive uh, term, um, and the, the study of technique um, should be very high on our ethical and apologetics agenda since it's, it's one of the great features of the Western and increasingly the non-Western world as well, the modern world. so a fe- great feature of modernity. Um, and um, because of its pervasive uh, claims on, on all of life there are a number of very special temptations which i think we fall into all right let me give you the two extreme ones and then i'll you know i'd like to say that there's a third way i mean the the, the first temptation would be to say that technology is the savior and um, this it doesn't i mean nobody would actually come out and say it like that except julian huxley or somebody but Um, there are a lot of subtle ways to to think of technology as the savior Um, I believe that um, one of the reasons that we have such moral promiscuity and perhaps one of the reasons for uh, some of the dreadful diseases that we have such as the the AIDS disease or AIDS related diseases and so forth um, is because of a kind of um, arrogance in trusting that technology can save us. Now, I mean, we're not hoping that technology will technology will get us out of this thing, but but we got into it because I think partly we thought, hey, I can I can behave any way I want because we've got the technique to avoid problems, um, and um, obviously abortion. Uh, is is an example of this uh, some kinds of abortion, uh, but so is a lot of uh, contraception, and um, uh, and then uh, the ability to quickly terminate a disease once it begins um, gives you an illusion of freedom. You know, I can because it can be done uh, with safety, um, then I can do it. it. Doesn't let alone whether it's right or wrong. Um, so there are lots of ways of trusting te- technology, um, and this raises all kinds of issues, which we which we want to hit on. One of them um, is that you can confuse technology with the thing that helps um, and forget that it's a tool. Um, you know, the word c- comes from the Greek word for hand. It's the um, it 's the extension uh, it 's not the uh, the thing itself, and there are many stories about uh, medical people who go to places which don 't have a lot of technique and who are counterproductive because they simply bring in a hypodermic needle um, which which is efficient uh, but which doesn 't take care of the whole person and you know you, everyone knows the missionary doctor who goes and um, you know there's a epidemic of some kind and a few visits with a hypodermic needle to various families would would probably wipe this thing out and so he suggests that and the people um, go into um, complete confusion and and, uh, um, upheaval because first of all a needle with a liquid represents something very very strange in that culture second of all the idea of curing a physical disease without taking into account the larger setting—who sent the mosquito, you know—that carried the parasite—and um, what have I done to deserve this—and and all those things, which you know may or may not be right, but it's there—is—is—is um, is, is confusing. So um, there's a lot of, of dimensions to the over trust uh, of tech of technique and. As we, we know as Christians that technology will not sort of save us. The other extreme uh, is the extreme that I think Elul himself represents, um, and that is therefore to be suspicious of all technology, to, be, to reject technology as such, uh, and to think that freedom can only come ar- by getting around it or living with it as a necessary evil but concentrating on other things. Um, and this a lot of people have this particular view, um, all the back to nature movements, um, as well as some of the health food things and um, just a lot of subtle ways in which we we feel that if we could only do without uh, wires and um, different kinds of buttons and things um, we would we would be natural and therefore better um, and um, this, too, is an extreme, because um, scripturally, um, the use of, of technique is, is something good. It's something God has given us. To, he wants us to develop um, the world by the use of tools. This is perfectly all right. And in the Bible, there's a lot of approbation of various kinds of tools and so on, and um, that's considered part of the cultural mandate. And so we find ourselves in a, in a difficult position between two extremes, espousing a sort of third way. And um, so, sometimes it's very difficult to know um, what that third way is. Um, think of, again, the option of using very expensive, very sophisticated techniques that might, in, in a particular case, preserve someone's life for a week or two. Um, what do you do? We don't reject techniques, so we th- we're tempted by this. And after all, the person might be saved. But we don't trust it because um, it uh, it won't keep the person alive forever. So, you know, how do you how do you decide? Um, and these um, these people uh, discuss the um, the dis- that kind of decision in terms of the story. And here's where they introduce their story ethics. Um, And the the, the first story, or the basic story they talk about, is tragedy, or they call it the sad story. And then the second one they introduce is the Christian tradition, uh, or the Christian story. Um, Now, the sad story um, is put in terms of um, bacon, um, Francis Bacon's um, view, which many people would say is a key step towards the creation of, of, of modern science. Um, he made the affirmation um, that um, we never talk about being overmastered by disease by produ- producing diseases incurable. Because um, he maintained that that would not only sanction uh, a kind of laziness um, uh, and neglect, but it would also um, feed ignorance and so on. And he says that this particular, these authors say that this particular perspective, that no disease is incurable, has shaped medical profession and perhaps um, Introduced an undue note of optimism into uh, medical technology and one which has its own problem of ignoring what they call the sad story um, and you need to know the uh, the sad story in order to have um, the uh, the most balanced use of of, of, of technology so They talk about technology and the flawed hero, and this I I hope we can discuss a little bit. Um, As you probably know, the whole discussion of heroism in modern ethics is uh, very strong. Um, We're getting away from simply just cold categories of this is right, this is wrong, regulation, and, and articles uh, and bylaws and so forth. And we're, we're getting into the story, which McIntyre and others have um, set forth. And the story often has a hero or a villain. And, and so uh, the idea in the ethical story of the use of technology is that the doctor and the nurse are heroes. And they are involved in a heroic battle against death and disease. And because life itself is good, and we, have, we discussed that last time, um, uh, therefore this heroic fight to preserve it, or to choose it, um, is good. And that, that kind of hero is what the ethics of medical technology promotes. On the other hand, they would say this, this hero has to be uh, modified. He or she is a flawed hero. Um, and they say that the, the, uh, the fight against, against death or disease has to be mitigated by the Christian knowledge that this life is not all there is. And that technology will not save us out of, of everything. And they uh, they mention a film, and um, I'd thought about showing you this film, but it's a little dated now. I thought I think I'll just tell you about it, um, and maybe some of you know this. It was it was around oh, 15, 20 years ago on the public television circuit, um, a Canadian film called "Whose Life Is It Anyway?" And um, it's a it's a a hospital room drama of about two hours, and it's a man, an artist. A, I guess he's a sculptor, who um, who has a terrible accident, and he becomes uh, quadriplegic, and um, he can only be kept alive um, by artificial means, and. The the, the, the the film is a drama about the good nurse against the bad doctor. The good nurse sympathizes with the patient who wants to let his life go and get off of the artificial uh, means of, 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 of living and so forth and not have whatever medicine it is that would keep him going. And the bad doctor, because he feels that technology is uh, is available and that he his name would be made good uh, wants to save this person and uh, the debate goes on throughout the movie and finally at the end, a lawyer is brought in or a judge is brought in, and they have a, a brief trial right there in the uh, in the room and through a very strange application of the writ of habeas corpus, um, uh, the judge declares that the patient does not have to stay alive, that he is allowed to refuse the treatment, and he does, and a few days later he dies, and so on. Now, this film caused a big stir because it um, it villainized the doctor, which is something that hasn't been done a lot before. Usually the doctors are heroes. And um, it also raised the huge question of, shouldn't you preserve life at all costs? Um, however, it was a it was a pretty one-sided film because it was so obvious that the doctor was on an ego trip. And this this man, Harrison, was just this wonderful, sensitive artist who had all the dimensions worked out about why it wasn't worth living this way. And this nurse... Kind of fell in love with him. and I mean, it was all it was all very dramatic. Um, but um, it did—it did raise the question about how far one should go in trying to preserve life, um, and uh, whether technology, in a very subtle way, doesn't in- encourage us to um, to go beyond. Um, what, what we what we should. So, I would like to hear your comments on this on this section. Um, uh, is it true that the doctor should be a flawed hero, um, one who's who does what they can, but won't uh, deny the Christian view of the sad story? Um, uh, what 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 did you think of this of this section? It, does the quadriplegic refusing dialysis um, make, is, the, is that case sufficiently clear to, de- to determine um, the issue of who should decide? Is, is, let me put it another way, is the availability or non-availability of technology enough to determine the issue of, of, of you know, who should decide? Does the Christian doctrine of freedom help us with um, this uh, this whole issue of the extent of of using technology? Does the uh, is there is. Is there a, an obvious answer uh, about the role of the doctor in all this? What What is the doctor's role in um, the decision to use technology either to preserve life or to add a dimension to it or, or, or whatever? Um, is Is... Is the doctor's knowledge of the technology with the doctor's moral commitments, whatever they might be, um, a a sufficient factor to determine the ethical outcome of, you know, whether it's the Harrison case or, or, or another case? And the cases are so diverse. I mean, it's an unfair question the way I I, I raised it. Um, Let me ask you one that's a lot clearer, and they they raise it here. You know, in the Jehovah's Witness um, religion, um, uh, blood transfusions are refused because of a very strange interpretation of a couple of verses in the Pentateuch which say the life is in the blood, and then... Sort of say that you you should not confuse um, your life with the life of another, and that you know you shouldn't wear somebody else's clothes, and all these these things. And so they won't they won't have a transfusion. All right, does the ability, the technical ability, to um, to save a dying Jehovah's Witness uh, decide what should happen to that dying Jehovah's Witness, disp- despite their, you know, their wishes. Um, let, let me ask this question, let me push, push this and give another case which um, is even more pointed. Um, a, uh, a teenager uh, comes into the emergency room uh, having taken a huge bottle of barbiturates or some kind of pill with the intention of, of, of suicide. Um, and and has left a note saying, "Please, whoever finds me, don't try to do anything to save me." Okay, what's what's the hospital's responsibility? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's one consideration. Of course, in the case of a, of a, a person. um... An elderly person who is, uh, you know, who's had a cardiac arrest and so forth, and the only chance of resuscitation might turn them into a vegetable. There is uh, these the, the living wills specify that they don't want that, and the hospital is not required to do that. Uh, the the law requires that a hospital uh, save a suicide person, because suicide's against the law it's a crime. I mean, we, our kids used to laugh at that. oh, you're going to punish it with it. But, um, yeah, right, right. Um, and I think that's a very good point. Um, it seems to me that although we do want to move uh, perhaps closer than we were in the 50s or so to patients' rights, we don't want to move to, towards patients' rights so hard that we forget that um, the state and the magistrates, as well as the doctors, have ethical responsibilities towards you which you may not have towards yourself. You may be far more careless about your own life than the state is, which res- reflecting God's care for you or should be, anyway. And so getting a court order for a 17-year-old is, w- in my judgment, would be a perfectly legitimate approach, because you care for that person's life more than they do. Um, let's say that we disagree with the Jehovah's Witness view on on transfusions we care for their life more than they do um and uh, this is a it's a tricky it's a tricky thing but you've got to consider that um uh, technology here is not capable to decide one way or another um it might help you to make some predictions which um, based on which you may make certain choices, like you have when you get to terminal choices, you 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 have to make some guesses about the person's chance of recovery, and depending on you know what the chance is and what your views are, of course um, you'll make certain decisions. But um, technology, no, oh my um, technology cannot in itself tell you what to do you've got to base that on on higher principle and the principle I would say has to be higher than the individual choice and I I feel we're moving in our culture in reaction to arbitrary uh, perhaps ethics we're we're overreacting towards personal rights and um, not only are the individuals often not competent to make certain decisions just on a technical level but they're also uh, they shouldn 't make decisions that uh, regulate society and the higher goals of individual callings based on what God says, which are reflected in the civil law and in the, uh, in the moral codes of, of doctors and This film was so unfair when, I, when I, I used to show this in my ethics class, where I taught before because it's so seductive, it, you know. You 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 start feeling so sorry for the patient, and you just think that this doctor is just a villain. he's on an ego trip trying to save him, and just leave him alone. You know, you don't realize that um, uh, your 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 own sensitivity to that person's life and integrity is being sapped as you get into this attitude. Maybe the doctor was on an ego trip, but he's, he's signed the Hippocratic oath, and he's trying to help. And um, uh, there is a point to the crazy law about suicide and that is that suicide's a crime because no one has a right to take their own life because life is more important than individual rights to, 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 to do that. Um, so the flawed hero idea is, uh, I think, okay. Um, it's an, uh, I find it a slightly odd way of putting it um, and tragedy is, is, is uh, it's more than a sad story, it's sin and death. Um, and the Christian story reverses that, to be sure. Uh, but it seems to me your ethical norms have to determine the, uh, the outcome, and that regulates the use of technology, um, which in itself is perfectly good. Okay, well, we'll have to stop there. Um, next time, as I say, please, if you would do the reading. Get yourself a week ahead because I'm having a little trouble getting my person here. And if I succeed, then we'll go right on back onto the schedule. But this stuff is really important: birth control and genetic engineering. We're moving into a new phase, so so do read that. And um, uh, I'll see if I can uh, set up what I had originally intended.